Hi, everybody. I'm Cheryl. I'm an alcoholic. And it's great to be here with you. Um, I think, you know, what what I decided to do today was to do a story that's a little bit different. Um, part of that is the challenge of having my husband on the line. And I always try to figure out a way to tell him tell some things that uh, he doesn't know, which is always a challenge. You can try and figure out who he is. Anyway, um, <clears throat> so my subject today is don't let the perfect whoops see i shouldn't see that's why it's this topic because that's what i do don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good and um and so i'm going to talk about perfection and um and good and how uh, aa has been for me i uh, got sober march 18th 1987 um, it was the day after St. Patrick's Day, which I don't know, at least in a lot of places in the world is a time when a lot of people get really drunk. And um, I uh, live in Massachusetts now. I have been sober in the states of Nebraska and California and Massachusetts, and I visited 23 countries back in 2011 and 2012. And, and AA was my um, an hour anchor in a you know, very long, one and a half year long, uh, year round, uh, uh, world round the world trip at any rate. Um, so my drinking started when I was nine, when my father was trying to teach me how to be the perfect drinker. So perfection started there because my mom was an alcoholic and he wanted me to not have to be one of those. And, um, and so he, gave me a little bit of sparkling burgundy after we were in a brand new house after he un undid the top of the sparkling burgundy and managed to lose control of it spraying the entire new kitchen in our brand new house with sparkling burgundy um, which led to the usual um, interaction between my parents it never was a friendly place my parents um, and so when i first had that um, that drink it was in a little cordial glass it was about this big and um, I remember the feeling went into my stomach and I thought, everything's going to be okay now. And um, perfection was something that I was always expected to have, um, mostly by my mother. So um, that sort of, uh, what happened was I was in Catholic girls school and we would get a gold cord to wear around our neck if we had all A's, but you could have a B plus. But a B plus was not good enough for my mother. They were all supposed to be A's because I my job was to perfectly live out all of what my mother was unable to do as the younger child to the older sister who got everything and she supposedly got nothing. So I was about to go off and do and dive in an, in a California statewide diving competition. And I came home with the report card with the B plus on it, with the gold cord around my neck anyway. And she tried to stop me from going to this diving meet. Um, and uh, that was one of the times that my father really strongly stood up to her and said, no, that's not going to happen. You know, so, so like I say, perfection um, really, really was kind of the expectation for me. Um, I worked really hard and um you know excelled at at high school 
and in this all girls situation I excelled I didn't have any social life so there was a piece big piece of life missing for me you know I didn't interact with guys at all the um, the school had a lot of borders and they interacted with guys in legal and illegal situations but for me being a, a day student I was always driving back and forth and and so I was missing that part of life and so I went when I went to college you know all bets were off and um i stopped diving i stopped interacting with people except you know for drinking and studying so drinking and studying drinking and working drinking and anything else was how i basically got through life i'm not going to go into the events that occur in a female alcoholic's life when they're doing nothing but drinking all of those happened and worse um, and those are always, you know, one things to share with a sponsor that I'll get to. Actually, let me stop there and say, you know, I, I mentioned my sobriety date. I'll also say I have a home group that is now meeting in person with eight people. And um, and we meet on on Saturdays and we have a speaker meeting in the in the town that next town over here. Um, and I have a sponsor and I have had her for a while. I'll talk about her. And I have five sponsees, and two of them are in Paris, uh, which is pretty fun. Um, so going back, I go to Stanford, uh, to, I go to college, and um, you know I'm pretty much doing the minimum of what I need to do. Drugs were re really never a part of my story. I was really regretful. I went to school in the 60s, and I really wanted to do acid, but I just was too scared. I was the daughter of a doctor. And it was just too scary. And uh, so I didn't. I did nothing with drugs really, other than use um, pot to uh, to study. It helped me study. Uh -huh. At any rate, um, so I uh, I did go into um, a profession after I uh, went to college. I went to graduate school across the country here in Connecticut, and um, and I became a physician assistant and um and i did well you know in college i didn't particularly do well in in pa school i did well and um it was um it was neat but i had no social life that was of any moment during this whole time so i'm going on into my 20s you know i'm really barely dealing with guys um in any kind of permanent or meaningful way and um <clears throat> and so um i uh ended up going out to california to work and um you know i i managed to keep the jobs although um i would get into little kind of tiffs with people and i would go to another job i would always have a job but um but when I was a physician assistant and I um, became active in the, the organization, the political organization of PAs, and I was on the board of directors. So there's 22 or 25,000 people that come to a conference every year. And um, in 1987, I was on the board, I'm well known, um, and uh, I'm there. And usually, you know, I'm taking people out for drinks and I have four months sobriety in 1987. And in that year, that American Academy of Physician Assistants decided to have AA, well, 12 step meetings every night at the conference for the first time ever. <laughs> and, and that's one example of where I say the universe is taking care of me. 
I had four months, I listened to people and early on, you know, went to a meeting every day because I heard you should do that. And, um, and so I, my bottom was a high bottom, I ended up um, actually wanting to date somebody for a strange reason when I was 36 for the really the first time in any again meaningful way. And, um, and I went out for my last drink on March 17th of 1987. Um, I was in a blackout as I always was. Uh, and I called up my friend across the street who was taking me to the airport. And I said, well, what time did I tell you to take me? And she said, noon. And I said, but well, the plane's at noon, so we need to go sooner. And that was enough for me. That was enough to get my attention to go like, this drinking thing is not totally working for me. And the other thing that the universe brought me is that the guy that I was interested in at that time, way back then, was a vineyard manager who was an AA. And it was, you know, like totally a program of, of attraction. He never said really much about it. Um, he certainly didn't tell me I should do it. And uh, he took me to my first meeting where I uh, introduced myself as Bob's friend. And uh, Jim, this is in my hometown where I grew up. And Jim, who's a guy that I had known for 30, 35 years, came up to me and goes, well, you know, are you uh, just Bob's friend or are you one of us? And I said, I don't know. And he said, not, here's the application, not, here's the rules, not, give me a bunch of money, you know, just like, okay, <laughs> good, bye. <laughs> and that was what I needed, you know, so, um, so at any rate, uh, that was, that was the early part of my sobriety um, that um, I will say that um, I never did things perfectly in AA. What I did do is I did pay attention to all those people who early on said, you should go to a meeting, you know, every day for 90 days. And I went to a meeting every day for 365 days. That's really the major thing I did. I tried sponsors. They didn't work. Um, I, uh, I did a little bit of step work with various people. Didn't get much out of it. But what I got was I got the fellowship and, um, you know, I got the magic that is, is sobriety. And um, so, um, so at any rate, I just got a little distracted. Um, okay, so at any rate, um, I, I ended up uh, doing a whole bunch of things in my first year that I would not recommend, okay? And so, but the biggest thing is that early on in my uh, sobriety there, before I even got sober, I couldn't decide whether I wanted to run for president of this organization I was in or be in law school. And so I said, and I didn't believe in God at all at that time, but I said, God will decide. I don't care. I'll do either one, you know, and so I did did the running for office and I did the applying and I didn't win the election and I got into law school. So that led to me in my first year, moving across the country, getting in and out of a relationship, buying a house, uh, not buying a house, renting an apartment, selling two houses, quitting my job and going to law school. Um, I never had to go out and drink again. That whole scene of what I did in my first year is not what I would recommend to you, but what I, but this is a this is going back to my my um my theme for today which is don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good so the good for me was the parts of aa that really worked for me and i didn't 
I fortunately didn't run into people that said you have to do it this way. There are people, many people like that, but I didn't run into them. And so, um, so I just kept with the fellowship and, um, and that fellowship helped me right through law school, which is like, I don't know, law school is a lot like being dragged along an asphalt road with not many clothes on, you know, for three years. It's just a very, very unpleasant experience. And it's extremely competitive and cutthroat. And um, and I had AA. So I would drive home from law school and I would go into the Alano Club. They had a dedicated space in San Pedro, California and a part of LA. And uh, it would be open all the time. They served a little food and coffee and and, and they had tables, and I would come in from class, and I would put my books down, and I would study in the AA room, and then I'd go to the meeting, and then I'd study some more. And so consequently, three years later, the, my graduation party was people in the living room drinking that were my relatives and my friends from law school, and all the AA people, which are like twice as many people, around the coffee pot in my dining room. And, uh, and so that's kind of how AA has always been for me. Um, so, uh, since then, um, things have been completely different. I mentioned how I, um, went to this conference. I'm a little bit scattered today, but back in my first year again at four months, I go to this conference. It's, it's a high confront conference. I'm well known and, um, and I've embarrassed myself many times, I guess. And so they have these AA meetings. So I go to an AA meeting. <laughs> And I opened the door and I expect them to go, oh, what are you doing here? And they didn't do that. They said, we've been waiting for you. <laughs> and I said, oh, and uh, that was one of those times where if I hadn't stayed with those people and gone out to dinner with those people afterwards, that comment itself would have sent me out the door. Um, you know, and so... Uh, so at any rate, you know, that there's been these interesting times that um, that the universe has provided for me. So when I got sober, I went to school and then I went to work and I worked for one place for 20 years. And that was not me before. Um, and I retired out of there um, and I have and I'm on a pension now and I don't have to practice law anymore. It was great for while I, while it lasted. Um, but again, AA got me through it. You know, it was a big part of my life for most of the time of my sobriety. I have been sober for 35 years. There was a period, an interesting period when I lived in San Francisco, um, where I really wasn't active in AA. And um, at the end of my living, toward the end of my living in San Francisco, I met my husband and um, you know, then ended up moving down to Los Angeles to, to live with him and all. And um, one night he knew I was sober and uh, he wasn't, he, he was a drinker at the time. And, um, you know, one night he said, maybe you'd like to go to an AA meeting. I'm like, oh, sure, that'd be great, but I have no idea where they are. <laughs> and he goes, but I do. <laughs> and so he um, showed me where the meeting was. It was just down Sunset Boulevard. I went down, made one right turn and, you know, I was right at the meeting and, um, you know, really got back into it then. And AA was a very important part of my um, of my life while I practiced. I didn't um, get involved with sponsoring um, because I felt I was too busy. And I think that's right. 
knowing how I work with sponsees now. Um, but also, um, I didn't have a sponsor, but I didn't really need, I didn't feel the need. I didn't feel any big need to work the steps. Um, but, you know, again, the universe provided at this Sunset Boulevard meeting that I first went to in LA, um, there was a guy named Roger and he was the secretary of the meeting and the standard practice was he would share at the end, at the last time he was secretary, his wife came across the long table, very long table, um, was his wife Arlene. And, and I looked at the two of them and I said, I want what they have. And I went up and asked Arlene when I had 20 years and she did too. She has five days on me. I asked her to be my sponsor. And so at 20 years sobriety, I spent three years working the steps of AA and it was great. It was just great. Um, you know, I, I have somebody now who knows me well enough that yesterday I could call her and say the following things happened. One, two, three, four. And am I right? Is this okay? Um, you know, and, and she can just go right to what's going on with me, whatever questions I've asked, whatever issue I have coming up, she can just laser right in there because I was willing to let her know me. Um, and it's, that's been a very important part of my sobriety. So again, though, not letting the perfect be the enemy of the good. I never beat up myself, nor did anybody else beat me up for not, not doing the steps, for not having a sponsor, for not, you know, going to a lot of meetings at certain points in my, in my life. Um, and so I have found that AA has accepted me no matter what I was like or what was going on with me or, or how, you know, how I was doing things. Um, again, people do judge. Um, I've seen them do it. I've heard them do it, but I never was, you know, aware of any judging going on of me. And so, um, I love AA. Um, it has been a big part of whatever I've been doing, especially since I went back to the meetings more in about 2001. Um, and I mentioned briefly that um, my husband and I went on a year and a half long round the world trip. Every place that we went to, I would sit down on the on the bed, like in the Beverly Hills boutique hotel of Cebu, Philippines, which is neither in Beverly Hills or a boutique. And I punch in AA Cebu, you know, and it's the meeting is that night and it's around the corner. It's half a block this way, half a block that way. And there it is, you know, and that's kind of how it was for us. Uh, traveling. It was just wonderful thing. You know, somebody in Brunei offered to come to the airport to get us. Uh, Vietnamese people told us about their addresses. There's these certain places like Brunei and Vietnam where you can't have AA be public because you're not supposed to be religious, quote unquote. So, um, so it's been very important to me. Um, and I have these five, five sponsees. I really enjoy working with them. Um, the other little part of my life, which is separate, is that I do work the Al-Anon program as well. Um, I call it the graduate program, and I didn't start working it until 20, well, after 20 years of sobriety. It's, um, it's a wonderful program. It helps me figure out how to deal with people in my life um, as opposed to the drinking in my life. Um, and then the other thing that I do is I do a lot of reading. Some of it is conference approved literature, some of it is not. Um, and one of the nice things about these secular readings is there isn't a big 
rule about don't mention any other books, <laughs> you know. And um, so um, one of my favorite things I'm reading right now is a 900 page uh, book about writing the big book, you know, and all of what Bill and Bob and Hank and everybody else did, you know, and Jim Burwell and, and all that's just fascinating. Um, and I, uh, I have also come to come around to really enjoying Taoism and I'm inquiring into that. Um, you know, my higher power when I was young in the program was the group. I walked into a room and I thought, this is where I belong. That's another thing I didn't say. My first meeting after I went to the one and called myself Bob's friend, a week later, I came home and I went to, down in Omaha, Nebraska to Skid Row, <laughs> uh, 14th and Vinton in, uh, in Omaha, Nebraska, because that's where I thought AA was. AA was all over Omaha, but I went down there and, and I opened the door in 1987 that was completely smoke covered and the smoke poured out at me and I came in and all the guys were there with these hats, you know, the hats that go like that um, and overalls. And I felt completely at home. They were all guys. They were all like 70 or something, you know, and, and it didn't matter, you know, so I have always felt at home in AA. I've always felt safe. I've, um, you know, it provides the structure in which I live my life. Um, and one of the things that I try to help people do um, is to try to translate those meetings that aren't secular meetings. You know, it, it, you know, it it doesn't require Christianity, and it doesn't require the Lord's Prayer, and it doesn't require God, and, and all of that. And and um, you know, I sort of specialize in trying to help people get through that. Um, but I have, for some reason, I walked into that first meeting as an atheist, and. Um, now I would describe myself as an agnostic because really I don't know. Who am I to know? Um, and uh, but I never saw the word God. It didn't bother me at all. Uh, and, and it was funny because when I had 30 days in that meeting, um, they said, does anybody have 30 days? And I said, yes, I do. They said, well, we have a chip for you. And I said, you do? You know, I'd been sitting through 30 days of people getting chips every time you turn around, but I hadn't seen it. So I didn't see things in AA that would have bothered me, um, which is a miracle. Again, it's the universe helping me to see, you know, what I can get out of a program that is not necessarily perfect, but is good. And, um, and so, like I say, the reason I chose this topic today was just to focus on the idea that, that when we're getting sober, when we're working a program, when we're dealing with sponsees, when we're dealing with sponsors, when we're dealing with life, you know, we don't have to do it perfectly. It just, and, and if we try to do it perfectly, it can be a problem. So, um, so at any rate, I meditate every day after I read my books. I also send out a saying to a selected group of my friends, which makes me read more carefully. So I read about 10 books and, and I find a sentence that I think everybody will kind of enjoy. And, um, and I do that. I write every day and, um, and I'm, you know, really active with sponsors and sponsees. Ever since the pandemic, I have meetings with four out of five of my sponsees every week for an hour. And, um, and that's deep work on Zoom, you know, and it really, and Zoom has really worked for me, really, really worked. So um, thank you so much for 
inviting me to your distant meeting in one of my favorite countries in the world that we visited. So um, thanks. That's it for me.